Hello, everyone, and on the Move Mode David podcast, I'm interviewing the humble and incredible Spider-Man, Kyle Moriarty, a co-worker and a friend who has been crushing the grades in school and on the rock climbing walls. I've known Kyle for almost three years, and I've had the pleasure of working with him as a co-worker for about a year. Kyle tells us about himself, his journey, his training, and philosophy with climbing. This was an awesome conversation and an honor to interview such a nice human being, and I hope that you can enjoy and don't forget to review on your podcast medium of choice. Enjoy the show. Good morning. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you too. Yeah, so um, Kyle, this is Kyle Moriarty. I'm going to have you introduce yourself in just a second. I just wanted to say that Kyle is the one of the closest iterations to um, closest iterations to being like Spider-Man next to Tom Holland. Um, Kyle is a climber that I've met through uh, our employment at Earth Treks Rockville. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to get you on the show, see, um, introduce you to some people because you climb hard. So if you want to just give a a quick little introduction of yourself and then we'll get, we'll kind of get rolling. Yeah, so uh, what is up, MoveMo David podcast? Uh, that's what the show's called, right? That's right. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, so basically, I rock climb and uh, started out when I was a little kid. Just like my parents would drop me off there and be like, oh, this is like daycare and my kid gets to climb. Yay, we can have a night out together. And then uh, I fell in love with the sport and I was doing baseball and rock climbing for a while together and then at one point like freshman year in high school I decided I was like yo my passion lies with rock climbing not with baseball I'm gonna like quit baseball put that time effort and energy into climbing and like see what happens because I've always been a pretty driven person and I always want to know like how good at something I can be and like how far I can push myself and like Right now, I've, I, I feel like I've only really touched the surface with climbing. Like, I've climbed double digits outside, uh, which is obviously a good benchmark. Um, I climb with a bunch of strong people at Rockville. I travel everywhere for competitions. I, uh, I compete in open competitions sometimes. Haven't really broke through that yet, but I'm still in youth, uh, even though I'm 18. It's my last year in youth, and hopefully it'll go pretty well. I feel, like, stronger than ever this year. Um, And, yeah, I think just, like, some fun facts are my favorite place to climb is Joe's Valley in Utah. And uh, my favorite Earth Treks gym is definitely Earth Treks Rockville. Dang. And you've been, I mean, I can imagine – if you're talking about climbing in Utah, you've you've been to probably other locations of Earth Treks. Like, have you been to the the ones in uh, in Colorado? Yeah, for sure, I have been. And and even after that, you would still hold down Rockville, Maryland, as as number one. Yeah, I think Rockville just has a special, a really special community to it. I may be biased because I'm part of that community, mm-hmm. but uh, at every other gym, like I. At Crystal City, the the community there is so, like, independent. Like, I'll walk up to someone, like I would at Rockville, and be like, hey, what's your name? Like, how's your climbing going? And they'll just, like, shut me out. But at Rockville, you can do that 
no matter who the person is you're talking to, no matter what level they climb at, no matter what level you climb at, right. you can always find someone who like shares that passion for just like climbing because climbing is fun and they enjoy to climb, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I actually will. Um, so just to clear up a couple things, uh, my, on my podcast, um, I'm interviewing a lot of people within like, uh, strength and conditioning health and fitness, uh, just to clarify a couple things. Cause rock climbing can get pretty, um, can get pretty in the fray with if someone doesn't understand it. Right. But, yeah. uh, so, uh, one thing that is cool that you did bring up Kyle is 18 and has had a lot of success in rock climbing. I wanted to mention that uh, now I have to say two years ago, because we are now in 2021, but in yeah. 2018 or 2019, uh, I got to see you win the Summer Smackdown bouldering competition uh, at, at, it was hosted at Rockville. So I was really cool. And I, I just wanted to get a little more information about your, um, you know, the trips when it comes to climbing. And if you can actually explain first the grading, how the grading and climbing works, because you said you climb outdoors double digits. Uh, so, so people can get more of an understanding about that. And then also um, after the skills part or the uh, explaining how they're graded, if you could explain the difference between indoor climbing and outdoor climbing, just so our listeners can get uh, a better um, look in, into the sport. Yeah, yeah. So uh, grading works. It depends on which discipline of the sport you're doing, which I can actually dive into now because it's really relevant to grading. Um, Absolutely. So there are plenty of different types of climbing, right? What I love to do is bouldering, um, where you're going up shorter walls with mats under you. So if you fall, you fall onto a crash pad or like a safety mat so that you don't break your ankle or die um and outdoors that pretty much translates to climbing boulders aka bouldering um so not the biggest walls ever maybe like 20 feet 25 feet tops if you have a good head game um but yeah that's what I like to do a lot and because for me that's always just been like the most pure athletic form of climbing like it's very acrobatic and competitive the movements are super unique whereas on some in some other forms of climbing it's very repetitive and you do the same thing over and over again um so the grading system for bouldering is the vermin scale it starts with the v the easiest is v0 and it goes all the way up v1 v2 v3 the increasing number indicates increasing difficulty all the way up to v17 currently Jesus. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there there are two V17s, but one of them has been downgraded to around V15, just based on the consensus around people who have done that climb. The other V17, only one person has ever done, and I'm pretty sure it'll stay V17. Um, but I only climb V10, and uh, I did my first V11 outdoors this season, uh, like last month, which which I was pretty hyped about right um yeah yeah that's that's sick and uh yeah outdoor yeah so also uh, so i can chime in uh, i i've been rock climbing on and off for just only like three four years in my life and uh, that was when i was like 15 i actually started rock climbing to help my wrestling and uh get my grip stronger 
Cause yeah, I'm that makes sense. A, yeah, I'm not a very big guy, so being able to you know grab someone by the wrist and hold them down was definitely like, oh, this will help. And it seems like it's not you know boring, just like lifting iron. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I climb uh, exclusively indoors because I have no clue what I'm doing outdoors. I went to a spot, uh, the Northwest Branch, as you know, Kyle, uh, out there in Silver Spring, and. Um, yeah, the V zeros, the V intros were like, oh yeah, this is it. Some ones, you know. I was like, yeah, this is this is it. You know, my fingers were shredded. Um, yeah, and it'll do that to you, especially Northwest Branch, dude. The rock there is so sharp. Really? Yeah. Dang. And so, so how does that for so like if, if there if, if it's possible, how do you describe for me someone that's only climbed literally outdoors at Northwest Branch or like at Seneca? you know, I just followed someone leading trad. Um, how does that compare to where you describe your, your favorite spot in Utah? How does that different? Oh, so dude, uh, there's like not even a comparison here because Joe's Valley is just so good. But, um, so Northwest branch and Seneca and most of the spots like we have that are accessible in Maryland, uh, minus maybe the new river gorge. Um, are really small and don't have a lot to offer in terms of like uh just like diversity in types of climbs diversity in holds uh grades even like a lot of spots will have like oh this is that place that has these two v7s um so northwest branch all the rock is really sharp it feels terrible on your skin and it's really condition dependent too. Like if you go there when it's a little too humid, you'll have a bad time. Um, and then Seneca is just like, Seneca is a little better than Northwest Branch where it's a bigger area, more climbs there to do. A lot of people kind of congregate in that area because it's a good place to learn how to trad climb and to trad climb and to like push yourself into that new form of climbing. Um, right. So trad climbing for people who don't know is climbing bigger walls. So you need more than one length of rope to climb these walls, right? So you go up one length of rope and then your partner follows you. And then you guys do that again until you get to the top. I've never tried climbed. That's just the best description of it I can give. And each length of rope is called a pitch. So if something's really long, it'll be like 30 pitches. If something's kind of short, it'll be like three pitches, but nevertheless, it's, they're really tall. Um, and then, short synopsis on sport climbing sport climbing is where you go up one length of rope uh, and you clip into carabiners which are called quick draws as you go um so that when you fall you fall down to your last carabiner that you clipped into so you don't fall all the way to the ground that's normally for walls anywhere from like 40 to 150 feet you can get lengths of rope in many different lengths um and then so yeah back to the locations of climbing yeah. northwest branch is a great local spot but it's not really a destination it's not on anyone's radar outside of the dmv um and seneca it's not on anyone's radar like you don't have that on your bucket list if you're anywhere outside of west virginia maryland pennsylvania virginia ohio maybe um but then joe's valley in utah the climbing there is literally a lifetime's worth of climbing i think i could go there like three times every week for the rest of my life and never run out of climbs to do or to try wow 
even if I get up to where the point where I'm climbing like V15, I'll never run out of climbs to do there. There, and the thing, the other thing about there is, I don't think I could ever get tired of the rock there. The so at Joe's, it's a very nice sandstone. Mm. Uh, feels great on your skin, and the amount of variety of holds that are in those boulders is so amazing. Like you can go to two to two climbs in the same day that have completely different styles, which I really appreciate. Like my favorite spot uh, when I was there in the spring, because um, school is online, so obviously it was easier for me to travel than other people. Um, I went out to Joe's and I really wanted to do this classic V2 called the Angler. It's just imagine a flat face, like completely vertical, perpendicular to the ground with a long diagonal sloping rail going up it. So it's like really slow and static and controlled and the feet are really bad. So you got to be really careful, making sure you're keeping friction on this sloper rail. But because that's all the climb is, it's a V2, even though it's like kind of scary, kind of tall, the slopers are kind of bad. All you got to do is keep that friction. And then you walk straight up the hill from there and you're at this huge cave. And in this cave are like V7s, V9s, V10s, pushing V11s. And then you drive down the road another half mile and you're at a whole nother spot. Like the amount of climbing there is endless and the location there is so beautiful. Like I, one day we went out climbing and I pretty much just sat like on top of a boulder looking at the sky for at least an hour. Wow. Yeah. You're really painting a great picture for me here. And um, I think the last thing to complete that, that image that I need, because you described it, at least for the East Coast, uh, you talked a little bit about conditions. So what are the conditions typically like out there, or at least what were they like when you were out there? Oh, um, when I was out there, we actually got pretty lucky because it didn't rain until uh, the day we left. But I would say it's much more dry than uh, than the East Coast. East Coast is really humid. Um, but out there, the temperatures are, I would say, more consistent. Um, like it never got too cold when we were there and it never got too hot. What is, what is too cold for a climber? Because I, I know I've heard some climbers say like 40 degrees is it. Like that's, that's the right temperature. So Yeah, so for me, it, it depends on the type of rock I'm climbing on, honestly. Um, mm. And there are only really, there's only really one circumstance in which I think that the temperature can go a little lower. But for me, comfortable climbing temp, the lowest it can be is 35 degrees. If it's any colder than that into freezing territory, I'm out. I don't want to be there. <laughs> I want to be inside with some hot cocoa, watching some Hallmark movies. Uh, <laughs> if it's, so yeah, 35 degrees, if I'm like bouldering anywhere. And then if I'm bouldering at somewhere with diabase, which is a really unique type of rock, uh, it's only found in two places in the world. In a little band from like Pennsylvania to New York and New Jersey, a little bit in there, and some in South Africa too. It's only found in those two places in the world. 
Uh, we're really lucky to have it. It's really underappreciated, but it's super friction dependent. So I will climb on that rock if it's 30 degrees out. Wow. Because that's when you get the best friction and that's when things feel a little easier, even though you're like freezing. <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of people, uh, just myself being also a personal trainer, uh, when it's 50 degrees out and even though that there's like, you know, a, a gym space, people are like, yeah, I'm not going out. It's cold, you know? So the fact yeah. that you know, you're saying like 30 degrees, 35 degrees, um, I think no one will disagree with you that, um, that going to watch, you know, Hallmark movies and hot chocolate, that Avenue is a lot, you know, that's fine. That's, that's fine. Yeah. If, if you don't want to brave the cold, that's perfectly fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Yeah, no, that's, I, mean, and, I think, go ahead, go ahead. And it's, uh, it's actually pretty coincidental. I didn't know this, but uh, I forget who it was, but there's a study done that says 32 to 45, I'm pretty sure, are ideal temperatures for maximal friction through climbing shoes and climbing rubber. Interesting. Yeah. So, what it means is if you really want to send your project, the climb that you're working on, you got to brave the cold. But if, you, if you're not that motivated or dedicated to it and want to just do it when it's nice out, that's fine too. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's interesting. And, um, you know, that, that, that uh, what's it called? That paper you just, you described, I definitely will check that out. Uh, I was thinking like, okay, 32 to, you said 32 to 45? I think so. Yes, it was something in that range. Just the idea is that it's it's a, an optimal temperature um, where I'm guessing that one would want to brave the cold, but the coefficient of friction, you know, uh, of rubber to whatever um, the stone is, because like you said, there is a difference, um, yeah. you know, would be optimal. So that's pretty cool. Um, especially, what was the name of that unique stone you're telling us about? Diastone? It's diabase. That's diabase. That's even the shorthand name for it. It has a really long name, but most people know it as diabase. Diabase. Well, there you go. Yeah. For people on the East Coast or in the United States, unless you want to, you know, travel to South Africa, we have it here. <laughs> so that mm -hmm. that is pretty cool. I actually will uh, definitely. Now it makes me want to be like, dang, I want to drive out and, and see if I can find something like that. That's crazy. Is that yeah. A, where, where's the, like, if you could name the nearest or the closest uh, to where we're at, what would be the, the closest dye-based uh, boulder? Oh, um, probably Mount Gretna or Governor Stables, Pennsylvania. Um, and the dye-based, so there are, like, plenty of types of dye-based. I was, I think I misspoke a little bit, but the type of dye-based there is only found in Pennsylvania and South Africa. Okay. But yeah, it's only like two hours away from outside of DC. Uh, it's some really nice type of rock. The only problem with it is, is that a lot of it is super sandbagged, which means uh, the climbs were graded by people who are kind of masters of that type of climbing. Mm. So they'll say, this is a V2 and I'll go there and I'll be like, this is not a V2, this is like a V5. And everyone agrees, but because there's so, such classic climbs and there really is a different style to it, the grades remain the same. 
Yeah, that's, um, I, I feel, I guess, that all the outdoor climbing that I've done, everything has been sandbagged, and that includes, you know, like Northwest Branch. You know, there's a certain yeah. point where you got to get your skill threshold to just mu much higher, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, well, well, I guess we'll get into after this this uh, section I want to bring up, but definitely um, we want to hear about your training and your diet. But first, you, you brought up that you were, you know, you came up through like the grassroots of, of the Earth Treks journey. Uh, did you do the Friday Night Rocks? Yeah, I started out on Friday Night Rocks. <laughs> That's so funny. So Friday, as uh, Kyle said earlier, Friday Night Rocks is a program where parents, if they wanted a date night, uh, could drop off their kids and the kids have like a mixture. I mean, as an instructor nowadays, have, have you worked actually uh, done Friday Night Rocks? Yeah, I have done Friday Night Rocks. Actually, It's funny because it all comes full circle. Like now I'm working right. at the gym. I've coached kids. Yeah. Dang, that's great. So, um, yeah, I've always been interested. I guess like uh, we're Earth Tricks is a really cool opportunity because we're really open to making it, you know, not strictly about climbing, you know, like Friday Night Rocks. We're not coaching kids really, but we're, you know, just offering the space and kids can really do whatever they want for the most part, you know, within reason. Um, do you find yourself sometimes like talking to some kids at Friday Night Rocks where you're like, hey, you know, like, I'm really good at climbing and you could get here because this is where I started, you know? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've ever brought it up to any of them like that. Like, I like I try to stay pretty humble when I'm in the gym, but uh, definitely the kids in Friday Night Rocks have been like, oh, like, let's jump from this hold to this hold and none of them can do it. And I'm like, hey, guys, do you want to see something? And then I'll do it and they'll surround around me and be like, oh my god how did you do that you're so good be like yeah if you just like stay with it and train a little bit you can get to where I am too you'd be like wow uh but yeah I think my favorite memory so far of like a younger kid being in the gym while I was I was uh I was just training doing some pulling workouts and some kid was there his mom was late and he was just sitting there I forget his name um, and he was like, wow, you're so strong. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you can do that. You're like Spider-Man. You have such strong fingers. And I was like, you could do this. You just got to like hop on and try it. And then he tried it. And then he like pulled a little bit. And I was like, see, you were close. You just got to keep working on that. And then you can do even better. Uh, so I think I really like, I think I really like just being able to give back to the community in small ways like that and help give people the opportunity to climb uh, and make climbing as accessible as possible for people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, now is such a unique time for several reasons. Um, one, climbing is definitely a sport that, uh, that I found. It's one of those unique sports where you can do it, you know, socially distant. Uh, you know, yeah. like you can't play lacrosse socially distant. You can't play soccer or football socially distant. You can't but, wrestle socially distant. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of those sports where like if you've been quarantined with somebody, um, because now, you know, until this virus gets under control, that is a consideration, right? That you want to try and take as much as possible. Um, yeah, you, you can quarantine and whatnot. I, I was going somewhere with that. Um, oh, okay. So and also the increase in popularity with 
free solo. Um, yeah, like, or at least the attention that Rock Climbing has been given with free solo with, you know, Alex Honnold and whatnot. Do you get that a lot from people that don't climb and you're like, yeah, I rock climb, you know, what is, and they, have they seen free solo? Do they try and like associate you with like, you know, climbing El Cap or what is that like? Yeah, I think it's a shared sentiment among most climbers. Uh, like most climbers have friends and their friends know that they climb. So after that movie came out and after everyone watched it, uh, everyone's friends started asking them like, do you know Alex Honnold? Do you free solo? Oh my God, you're crazy. You climb 3,000 foot walls. Right. Like, no, I climb 50 foot walls inside a gym <laughs> with padded flooring. But uh, yeah, it is pretty cool that free solo got it, got climbing into the mainstream and it definitely increased the popularity. And yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I kind of drew a blank. But yeah, it's even though it's funny when people bring it up uh, that they're like, oh, do you free solo? Oh, you must know Alex Honnold because you're a climber because they don't really have the big idea of how large the climbing community can be. It's understandable that they would think that. Um, right. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, the climbing community has definitely been around for, for so, so long. And just because, you know, uh, at least in the United States, the attention is mainly towards you know team sports football yeah um, I mean soccer is now getting a little bit more with the major league soccer there's the premier lacrosse league and, and the major league lacrosse well they just had a merger so it's all one thing now in hockey um so I think it's really is cool I think Oscar Wilde don't quote me on this had once said that like it, it was some like famous um writer had said like the true the, like describing the true sports in life are like running some other sport and then there said you know free free climbing um so definitely i agree with you with that sentiment where it's just such a a pure and raw sport and and something that i th actually uh, you've given me a lot of really cool information this talk so far but uh i didn't know you had a background in baseball so i think i always think that's really cool when athletes or, you know, have a little more uh, experience in other, other fields. And you had talked about bouldering being a uh, very dynamic, acrobatic uh, experience. Um, have you ever considered, like, getting an adult, I guess you would be, like, an adult, quote-unquote, uh, adult lesson in, like, gymnastics to try and uh, increase, you know, some awareness in that aspect? Honestly, I've I've never considered it, but I've definitely always been uh, intrigued by just calisthenics and mm -hmm. like watching YouTube tutorials and trying my hardest to do uh, just like b movements with my body, like skills to learn. Um, but yeah, doing gymnastics would probably be fun. Doing an adult lesson, I should try that. Yeah, yeah. there's a there's a place. Um, uh, I'll be honest with you. At this time, I don't know what they're you know, uh, your comfort zone and the, the, what they do for their protocol or sadly, if they're even still open, but it's called like, um, extreme acro in Rockville. Um, okay. yeah, there, there's some guys out there that you can learn, you know, like acrobatic skills. They have open gym times, uh, because you know, um, a gymnastics gym isn't like earth tricks where you can just like sign in and just go like, <laughs> yeah. you know, work out. 
you do have to go to an open gym period. Um, but I mean, we have a lot of really cool gyms nearby, like that Acro, uh, Extreme Acro in Rockville. And then there's the Hills uh, Academy they, on Sundays, like between 10 to 12. It's such a short period, but they have so much equipment that if you went with somebody that had an idea as to what you could do, you could really, you know, like have a lot of fun, learn some new skills, you know, hopefully not get it hurt, but you know, it's, it's, um, it's really cool. Something that I wanted to bring up was that um, if you met me between now and 2016, people knew me, have, have known me as the gymnastics guy because um, you know, I'm doing handstands, I've thrown the occasional backflip here and there, you know, some cartwheels and, and teaching whatever. Mm -hmm. But I actually grew up as uh, just a multi-sport athlete. I played soccer. I wrestled, uh, played lacrosse. I played uh, one year of college lacrosse in the JUCO oh. division. And um, I was actually interested in playing lacrosse at the University of Maryland. And then I saw these guys performing, doing this thing. And I was like, man, I would like to, to check that out. And um, yeah, so this is pretty, relatively speaking to my life, still pretty new. I, I've only been able to do handstands. Well, actually, I've been able to do handstands for a long time in my life. Um, I was always interested in like, how far can you walk on your hands, you know, and, and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, my, I actually have to thank my seventh grade PE teacher. I, I don't even remember his name, but he made that like a challenge for us one day. It was like, who can do this? And, and in hindsight, thinking about it, like me as a PE coach, I would be terrified to ask these kids that are like, what, like, I think that's 12, 11 and 12 to like, so you could walk on their hands the farthest, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be a bad, like, referral to the first aid room, <laughs> like. Yeah, this is like, a, yeah, uh, so now I'm teaching a handstand class through um, the, the clinic that I work through, and it is like, you know, it's all through uh, Facebook Live, and it uh -huh. is it's terrifying, it's terrifying. I have to come up with these, you know, like these workouts, and I'm like, I can't spot any of these people. So I <laughs> yeah. really, you know, like regress and really try and get creative with what, uh, what I come up with and they're, they've been so great to, you know, just like bear with me, but, um, that's so cool. I think, uh, yeah, I think, if, uh, after the show, we can, we can talk more about, um, seeing what gyms are available and I can try and get you in touch with somebody. Cause I think you would, that would benefit you a lot in the, in the rock climbing realm. Okay. Or I could just drag you to one of them with me. Yeah. Then that works. Yeah. Too. I, I, you know, I was just telling somebody, uh, I actually haven't done a backflip in so long. So like, I can't just throw it anymore. Like I've done uh, backflip in flip-flops at like an ocean city, um, <laughs> ocean city, like after eating tacos or whatever. Cause a little kid that I knew, I was like, Hey, huh. check this out. And I just, you know, like threw it, but now I can't because it's like, Oh my gosh, I haven't, actually jumped as hard as I could in like so long and the timing is different I weigh I actually gain like 10 pounds of of, of muscle I will say good uh, nice in this quarantine yeah but uh or during this pandemic um but talking about that uh what is what is the training of a rock climber like I mean I know it um I see a lot of hangboard training and finger fingerboard training I have no clue how to program that. So it's always so interesting when I see you or anybody, you know, on the mezzanine doing, doing yeah. stuff. 
Uh, and then, yeah, if you want to just, if you could just talk to me about your training, I'd be really interested in that. All right. So the first thing I'm going to say is that no training plan works for everyone. I think that goes like without saying, but I just want to say that to remind people that what I say works for me might not work for you. And what I say works for people I've seen may also not work for you. Um, but a lot of my training recently has consisted of hangboarding, campus boarding, supplemental pulling workouts, supplemental um, antagonist workouts, core training, mobility training, and climbing, right? So, um, and right now I'm doing a one day on, one day off training plan. So I do one day on of something high intensity, one day off, no climbing or anything with my arms that day, but there might be a core workout, mobility work, or like cardio. Um, so for hangboarding, there are really a variety of things you can do. If you want endurance, you can do repeaters. Um, if you want to work on your one-arm hangs or one-arm lock-off on crimp, you can train those with some repeater-style workout. If you want to gain finger strength, which is what I'm doing, you want to do minimum edge training and maximum weight training. So minimum edge training is where you pick a small edge, say like 10 millimeter or eight millimeter, and you hang on that for 10 seconds, maybe with weight on. And then you do that a few times with like three minutes rest between sets. Maximum weight training is where you're on like a, a bigger edge, like 20 mil millimeters, and uh, you add a bunch of weight, like getting up into like 50 plus, 60, 70 pounds, uh, depending on where you're at, right? Um, so a lot of people in the gym, this is a tangent, but a lot of people in the gym know me as like that kid that has strong fingers. And while I agree with them, like I can crimp and grab onto and pull on things that are insanely small uh that doesn't translate to hangboard very well so um a lot of people will see me hangboarding with only like uh, of course air quotes around only but like 50 pounds on and they'd be like whoa kyle i thought you were way stronger than that but for me it's something i've always needed to work on like the climbing has always come for me first and then the training after so i'm trying to balance out by getting my training stats up, getting all of my strength up to be like the most strong, powerful climber I can be. Um, then another day in that week, you'll do campus board training, which is where there are rungs. Um, and they're like, they're like two centimeters, so 20 millimeters maybe. Um, and they're set apart and they're numbered. So like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, all the way to the top. And you'll do, you'll do like pull-throughs, so you'll go like one to four, so that's skipping two, and then like to seven, so skipping two again, and then matching there. Right. Tons of stuff you can read on hangboarding training and campus board training. And then those are to become like as strong and powerful, climbing-specific as possible. Um, being able to like hold on to small holds, pull on small holds, do really powerful movements. Uh, Translates to bouldering super well. My, yeah. huh? I said I was just agreeing. Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
the climbing training I do right now is pretty much projecting on projecting like two days a week and then doing some circuit uh, to keep my power endurance up another two days a week I'm pretty sure one or two days a week um my weeks are like my training weeks are like eight days long uh, so it doesn't fit the normal week schedule um and then pull training you know classic like pull-ups weighted pull-ups one-arm assisted pull-ups one-arm isometric lock-offs um rows and then antagonist workouts like if there's one thing I can say to climbers, it's do your antagonist workouts. If you get injured because of a shoulder or like your chest or like a tricep, like that's literally on you for not doing your antagonist workouts. I like, there's nothing else to say, but, um, obviously push-ups, dips, bench press, um, shoulder flies, lat raises, like dumbbell raises, um, shrugs. Uh, those are so important to making sure that your entire body is strong and not just what you need for climbing is strong. And then core and mobility training, definitely one of the most important aspects. Um, for a long time, so like two years of my life, I was doing only ground core training. Uh, so only exercises I could do on the ground with no equipment. And I thought like, wow, this is really helping my climbing. When really all it did was like make my abs look better and, uh, made me feel more confident when I was looking in the mirror. I don't think it really helped my climbing very much, to be honest. Um, but uh, now I'm doing a lot of TRX core and bar core and a lot of core exercises that target, like, not just the front abdominal muscles, but also the back ones. I'm not too good with anatomy, so I can't tell you exactly what they're called. But uh, No worries. Huh? Is it, yeah, no worries. Yeah. Um, so my biggest takeaway from core training is whatever you do, make sure that it's climbing specific because from my experience, doing a 12-minute core workout like on the ground nonstop is way different and has way different uses than doing like short two minutes of high-intensity core and then resting and then doing that again because when you're on the wall for climbing, like, especially bouldering, if you got to hold tension on something super steep where your feet are far away and you're on bad holds, like, you need that quick, strong core, right? You need right. that high intensity right away. Uh, and I would say that I'm kind of, I'm really glad that I found the, figured that out uh, through my experience and through some coaching. But I'm also kind of like, upset that I never experimented with that for the two years when I was doing uh, ground core. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. And the best part of training and the most important part is definitely rest. Um, I have struggled with overuse injuries because I can't get myself to not go to the gym some days. And then I'll tell myself, oh, I'm just going to run on the treadmill. And then all my friends are there. And, I, and then I climb with them. And then like my forearm gets inflamed. Um, so biggest, biggest part of training is definitely rest. You need to rest to recover well. You need to rest to be well mentally. Um, you need to rest so you don't get injured. Eight hours of sleep, like at least, uh, if you're trying to perform well, making sure 
you drink a lot of water before, during, and after your session, eating something after your session with protein, you know, in the carbs the night before and the day of, like whenever you're doing your session. I think all of those things really help. Uh, but yeah, some other things about training are that if you're struggling by yourself, like you've read through different training programs and you've like uh, looked at information some climbing coaches have said, like you've read books about training for climbing, but you can't seem to get it right. I would say go to a coach, ask them for one plan. Um, like, Hopefully it's not too expensive. If you're willing, if you really want to get good and like invest in yourself and invest in your climbing, that's what I did. Uh, I think like three months ago, and my training has never felt better. And I'm like feeling stronger and more powerful and a better climber than ever. And I don't think it's something I have to stick with the rest of my life. I think it helped me learn, and it's helped me like learn some more accountability. Um, and it can be really good for you if you struggle with like holding yourself accountable or programming a plan. Um, so like David, for you, like there are so many different plans out there. It can be really hard to make your own program or even make someone else a program just because all these programs are made for different people with different goals, right? Right. Uh, so I think it's really important to look at your goals, look at your weaknesses, say, hey, like, even though I love doing pulling workouts because pulling workouts make me feel amazing and I'm good at them, my finger strength is lacking, you need to take some time, evaluate if you want to just keep your pulling good or, like, improve your finger strength so you can become a better climber and then develop a training plan either by yourself with the help of, like, a few manuals or even, like, a coach or a friend, coworker co-climber, whoever, um, and just write something down and follow it so you can reach your goals. That's the biggest part. The most important part is that whatever you say you're going to do, you do it. Because if you start slacking off from your training plan, it's not going to be effective. You're not going to get the results that you want. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're definitely touching in on uh, a lot of key components, I think, for anybody in, in training in any realm, for sure. I think Definitely to, to follow up with your thing, um, what you were saying earlier about getting a coach is um, getting a coach can be scary because you do, in a sense, have to get really intimate with somebody in terms of, you know, showing your vulnerabilities when it comes to your physical prowess and where you want to improve and you're trusting them with your time and your money, right, to yeah. do that, that improvement. That can be scary, but like you said, doing the research and making that investment. And also speaking as someone that has you know, done some coaching, not particularly with climbing. I will, I will, I will say I've done the shifts that they give me, but I, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Friday night rocks where it's like, some of these kids are really interested in the social, some kind of care about climbing and I'll give some tidbits, but not, not serious coaching. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's having that conversation with someone. Uh, I personally like to tell my clients that, you know, my, my goal unless you want like a personal training workout and you, you're just going to see me consistently until we can't meet anymore. Um, it's really, if I'm coaching you, 
I'm here to help you get past what, you know, you're struggling with. But once you, you feel like you're, you're good, we can call it and we're good, you know, and if you need something else, let me know. Cause that it's an expensive, you know, uh, endeavor for sure, but definitely, um, discipline. It sounds like you're talking a lot about consistency with your exercise and staying disciplined because definitely there's that little voice, that little voice in your head. That's like, nah, just, just stay inside, just stay inside. You don't have to get up. You don't have to move around and, and do, you know, do any exercise whatsoever. You're going to stay strong. You're so strong now. Why bother? You know? Um, yeah. So, uh, something that I would like to add on to, you were talking earlier about core workouts, um, the difference between like two minutes and like an eight minute, you know, uh, core exercise is definitely you're getting into different power systems, depending yeah. on who you talk to, even two minutes would be pretty, pretty, uh, long, you know, you're looking at, uh, high powered, um, very quick, fast twitch muscle fiber, you know, engagement, which like you're saying would, would help so much with, uh, your bouldering being explosive and dynamic. Um, and then getting into just conditioning. So actually both of those, the two and eight minutes would, would be in like the endurance realm, but definitely the two minutes would, would have you be more, like you said, explosive. Um, yeah, like sorry. When I said that, I meant like, like it's a two minute circuit of exercises. So oh, like, gotcha, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's rest in there. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes, that makes sense. Um, yeah, for sure. That's, I think it's really cool. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you because uh, my background has been, I've been shadowing and working in the physical therapy realm as a technician for a while. So I'm always looking for like postural, you know, like trying to find neutral posture as much as possible for everybody. And, um, and just, you know, like also, I think it's given me a little bit of uh, an insight into trying to be creative with exercises. And so what I mean by that is, um, I, after climbing one day, I like my toe hurt so bad. Uh, and now like the joint is swollen because, you know, like just the way the rock climbing shoe sat and, you know, like the, I guess I was hanging on the tendon weird and it, it yeah. just inflamed. I'm sure that's, that's normal. Right. I, I think. We, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can talk about how like rock climbers don't have the prettiest feet. Um, but, uh, I was going to ask you something that I've, I've actually been trying to experiment with is I'll do like, quote unquote, hang training for my toes so they could build some strength and do some like, you know, like calf work to be able to maintain more friction on the other end aside from the fingers and the, in the yeah. fingers. Have you ever experimented with hanging off the toes or like doing toe training to keep them strong and, and help on the, on, you know, in the base of your climbing? No, I've actually, I've never done like toe or foot specific training. I've only ever done like calf and like leg pulling training, I guess you could say. Right. But yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, I literally like, I'll just hang, um, I'll be barefoot. and Hanging uh, from a bar? Right, right. Yeah, just like crimping the shit out of me with my toes. Um, no, but I'll just be like on a, on a step in my house, you know? And uh -huh. I'll hang off the edge, like I'll angle my feet. So my pinky toe, cause you know, like everyone's toes kind of like are the biggest, the longest is the, uh, the middle toe or the index toe. And then, then it's big toe and then it works, whatever. 
Yeah. Uh, so I'll angle it in pigeon foot just a little bit so I can just hang off the edge and I'll do like, you know, sets of like five to 10 seconds, depending on how I feel, but I'll change the angle to where like, I guess typically you would be kind of crimped. So like the ankle would be high, heel would be higher than, than where the toe point is. And then I'll go neutral and then I'll even drop really low. So it'd be like your traditional, like hang in a sense. Um, so I just want to bring that to your attention. Cause uh, I thought, you know, this is me also trying to validate, like, this does sound like a good idea. Do you think it would actually work? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that if you struggled with like hurting your toes from having them on the climbing holds and like keeping tension through them on climbing holds, then yeah, that sounds like it would work. Help you build some strength there in your toes. <laughs> right. Well, uh, I don't want to keep you too much for your day. So I'm just going to, we're going to go over just two more, two more um, topics real quick. Um, yeah. So as people may imagine, like you're saying in the worlds of calisthenics, it's very body weight dependent. So uh, you could work out as much as you want, burn as much calories, but we all know the best way to keep calorie count down, even if you're not tracking it, it's kind of uh, undisputable that, you know, counting calories in a sense determines where your body weight will fluctuate. Uh, for mm -hmm. the most part, there are definitely, I will say, um, exceptions depending on, you know, body types, whatever, but what is your diet like? What is, uh, I mean, you mentioned it a little bit that after training, uh, you and I actually talked yesterday, um, Chipotle. Chipotle is like a good Dude, Chipotle. Oh my God. So good. <laughs> yeah. So what is, what does your diet look like? How much do you think, I don't know if you count your calories, but how much do you think you eat? And if you don't mind saying, what do you weigh now? So people, if you could give like a description of your body type, so people have a general idea. Yeah. So, um, what I eat, uh, well, right now I actually have my breakfast sitting in front of me. So this is pretty easy. Every day it's the same. I uh, have a cup of coffee with some oatmeal with banana and peanut butter in it. Um, I like it. It's a really, really great way to start my day. Um, got some fruit, got some protein in that peanut butter. And then the oatmeal is pretty good with some carbs, um, nice and balanced. And then we got my coffee. I drink it black. I don't put anything in it. Um, and then that's the same every single day. For lunch, I eat like a fifth grader, but for lunch, um, I have like some diced fruit, an apple, or some other fruit, just like two fruits, um, a cliff bar, really easy, classic, and then a sandwich. Uh, and I like eating breakfast and lunch the same every single day because it helps eliminate some, like, I don't know, decision fatigue throughout the day. Uh, I found that some days when I'm not able to eat like the same lunch, I get like really stressed. So I try to eat the same thing every day. But yeah, so like oatmeal and coffee in the morning and then a sandwich with some fruit and like an energy bar, protein bar for lunch. And then for dinner, normally I'll have like a classic two vegetables and protein and some carbs. So like a classic dinner at the Moriarty household would be like uh, salmon with brown rice, corn and green beans. Um, and we have pretty much something like that pretty much every night. Uh, and then a lot of times as a snack, I'll just have like another cliff bar. <laughs> That's really sad. Or um, honestly, like some milk and cereal. I, I, my diet is not the best. Um, there are definitely better diets out there. And then 
but what I found for diet is that it really comes down to as long as you're getting like what your body needs, make sure that you're eating foods that you actually enjoy. Because if you don't like the foods that you're eating, but and you're only doing it because like, oh, like this is what my diet is now. Uh, I don't really, I don't really vibe with that. You know, like I would rather enjoy some food that I like while also working towards my goals. Um, and then as far as my body type, I weigh 150 pounds. Some days it's like 147, uh, but like between like 145 and 150. Um, I'm pretty lean. I'm 5'10 and a half. The half definitely matters. Right. Uh, and then like my arms aren't the biggest you've ever seen, um, but they could be smaller. And then my legs are like little chicken legs. Uh, my chest and shoulders are like starting to broaden a little bit from training. But yeah, I'm like a pretty lean, uh, thin, but like muscular build, I guess you could say. Not super muscular, but like lean, you know? He's, he's very, he's being very humble for those that are listening in. Uh, I'm a very uh, lanky boy. He, some, some may think he would be just the lanky guy if he was wearing, you know, like maybe a long sleeve and sweatpants or something like that. But as soon as like he gets hard into his climbing, and he's in the shorts, he's shirtless and going, you're like, that. that's literally freaking Spider-Man, like on the wall. So he's very humble, as he, as he mentioned earlier, and definitely lives up to it. Um, before we get to, uh, I get, uh, finish off with this last question. Um, I want to add that, you know, you were saying like, eat something you enjoy. Uh, definitely, I agree 100%, but just to make sure we're all clear, because I think you also meant this is that um, you want to make sure the food is like as nutritionally sound as possible. It's whole food. Uh, definitely, like you are saying, probably something like I don't like, I actually am not a big fan of steak. So like I opt, opt out for eating like just straight chicken all the time. Um, yeah. Yes. And I say this because my favorite cereal is Captain Crunch. And if I could get jacked eating only Captain Crunch, I would happily do that. But, uh, you know, um, definitely that's one of the things that, um, you know, I will have once in a while. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my last question, though, for you, uh, before we finish at the top of the hour here, is I think it's so cool that, um, you know, you're, you're younger than me. We have about seven, almost eight years apart in, in our age. Um, but I've seen there's a big difference in, in – uh, in how technology has influenced a lot of uh, the younger generation. Uh, so I think it's really interesting that, you know, you're, you're younger and you're, you're working out as your main forefront because uh, I like to tell people this statistic that I found and I can leave it in the show notes for everyone is that apparently in 2019, the Super Bowl had like 98 million viewers. Um, but that same year, an esports championship for like some game, it could be League of Legends, I'm not sure, but it had like over 100 million viewers. Um, so definitely uh, that shows two things for me is that there are a lot of people sitting and watching, you know, and uh, football, you know, is more based around like, you know, uh, more physically demanding movement. Uh, whereas, you know, like gaming is definitely, you know, like you're sitting in place, but you're like, your, your brain is, you know, working and uh, your fingers are working. So I just wanted to ask, like, how does, does that like, uh, you know, any of these new apps or anything like that, how does that influence your life? Or like, do you have friends that, 
you know, lean more towards that? And how do you navigate that? Like the divide between like gaming and doing a, and like doing a physical sport or. Yeah. 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 Do you, cause like, so for it, for example, like even with uh, like people my age, like I have, I have friends that are just more interested in like Instagram to just looking and scrolling on Instagram or, you know, frankly, Tinder. Yeah. And it's like, well, <laughs> nice. let's, uh, you, I mean, you know, I, I don't get all of that. Excuse me. I don't understand all that, but I'm like, yeah, let's like go out for a run or something. And they're like, yeah, you know, it just, it, it seems like physical activity isn't at the forefront. So I yeah. just wanted to check what, what have you observed, um, in your lifetime? Oh, um, so I've definitely always opted to go outside and do something outside. I get really tired of video games uh, quickly, and I even though I find them really addictive, don't get me wrong. Like, right. of course, if I have free time and I like already worked out, I can play Clash of Clans or scroll through Instagram for hours or like watch YouTube videos. But um, yeah, I think it's really important to keep a balance between what you do online when you're really sedentary and what you do when you're being active. Um, I've noticed a lot of my friends at school definitely lean more towards playing video games, hopping on Xbox parties and spending like from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. every night playing COD. Um, and they don't really do any sports because school isn't in session now. Uh, but my family has always been a pretty like active family, I would say. And I think that, I think that technology has, it's kind of, it, uh, it's a blessing and a curse. Like it really helps bring climbers together and it really like, um, it makes climbing easier for people to like get to crags, crag is, sorry, the place where you climb, um, makes it easier to like see what different boulders are, to learn about boulders, learn about new climbers, meet new climbers to climb with. Um, but also kind of in the realm of climbing, it kind of casts a shadow on everyone who isn't performing well at that moment or people who like aren't able to go outside or aren't able to go to the gym because when you see someone post about like their recent trip to Joe's Valley or someone posts about all these climbs they did yesterday, it can be really stressful and hard to bear the fact that like, oh, they were outside getting after it. Why wasn't I doing the same, you know? And I think that it definitely causes a lot of problems within the climbing community. And there can be a lot of drama, uh, even in a sport like climbing, between just, like, different climbers and different practices. Um, but, yeah, I think that from my observations, I've seen it's very important just to keep a healthy balance. And whatever works for you, as long as it's not a super addictive tendency that like needs to be addressed I think if it works for you then you should stick with it like if you enjoy playing League of Legends because you find that it's super fun and super way great way to engage your mind and you're still keeping a healthy lifestyle then like there's nothing wrong with that if you like climbing and you hate video games nothing wrong with that you know right you know I appreciate that uh, definitely um, just as someone that you know is just concerned for the general public i mean the public health you know that it, yeah you know to not recognize that you'd be foolish because there are i mean there are numbers they're increasing and you can see it so i think that's really cool 
So to close off, do you have any uh, anything you want to finish with? Maybe any last thoughts? Um, okay, last thoughts. This was just something on the forefront of my mind the other day when I was climbing and I was having a kind of bad session and then it all spiraled downhill when I was climbing and it ended up with me like leaving the gym really disappointed and sad. But um, the biggest thing I can say to anyone who's pursuing anything in their life is just have confidence and be patient with it because if you aren't confident in yourself you'll never be able to realize what you're trying to do and if you aren't patient you won't be able to put in the time to do what you want to do I like that's it. all I gotta say no I think I think that's uh, what a lot of people need to hear especially we're we're we were so used to being a society like everybody is just go 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 and so to practice patient patient and and really be confident with what you're doing uh even if like and that doesn't mean you know like you're saying i'm pretty confident in my climbing um, yeah but i'm not a strong climber i'm nowhere you know at your level like i'm projecting sixes v sixes but that's um, perfectly fine yeah yeah but you know like you're like you know to add what you're saying is like be confident in what you're doing, have a plan and be consistent. And, um, you know, I think that's definitely a great place to leave off. Kyle, thank you so much. You're the first interview of 2021. I'm so happy to have you on. And uh, what a what a very informative episode. I appreciate you. And I wish you the best of luck for the year. Yeah, thank you, David. I hope you have a great year as well. Hopefully it goes better than 2020 for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I'll send you uh, a link to this when they're all done. So thank you everyone for tuning in and uh, have a good one. Yep. Bye guys.